It's the show Agent Orange slash Adolf Twitler would love to shut down. So here's the story, folks. I am the least black person that you've ever seen in your entire life. In fact, we did very well relative to racist people. It's the no bullshit zone. It's called fake news. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. I know who you are. Just wait. On the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome to it. Boy, do we have a lot to cover with you today, including, well, uh, Beto O'Rourke, Tulsi Gabbard, Donald Trump, controversies, mysteries, UFOs. I'm just, I'm kidding about some of that. You know this is not one of those programs, right? Not one of those programs. It is, in fact, my program. My name is Shaggy Jenkins, a critical thinker, problem solver, guy just left of normal and sane, and always centered in common sense. And found responsibly at my website, shaggyjenkins.com, or wherever fine social media is served, well, look for me at Shaggy Live. My guest comes to us from the wonderfully cold, cold, cold East Coast. But... He's really heating things up. From the show, some say, please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Reynolds. Hey, everybody. Hi, Shaggy. How are you? Uh, good so far today, but let's dive into a little bit of news, shall we? Um, our first story today has to deal with the Democratic Our Jour, the Democratic Du Jour, I should say, uh, candidate of the day, Beto O'Rourke, but... Recently, he had an interview with the Washington Post, and how did that come out? Um, enlightening for people who are like me and don't see him as this Democratic frontrunner and possible 2020 candidate. I don't, I, I can't comprehend this, and his answers make me not want to comprehend it even more when it comes to immigration and uh, just anything, really. I, it, it, they do, short on um, facts and a lot of hyperbole, but um, he, he, he's definitely interesting, that's for sure. I, I still... Go ahead. I, I kind of want to ask you this before you get too, too, too far into this, because what yeah. exactly... I mean, I was reading this article, too. I, I hope I was reading the same article you are. Uh, what exactly did he say about immigration? Because I kind of got, well, it's it's kind of good. It's, it, it's kind of been known to be bad sometimes, too, but it, it's good, I think. What did you get? Yeah. That That's exactly what I got. I got a lot of... Uh... Uh, weak sauce and no meat and potatoes. It was a uh, definitely an interesting way to put it on the on the plate, but um, there was there was no garnish. There was there was no facts. There was there was no Beto, frankly. Um, and now we hopefully, since all the scrutiny is on him, are going to see why he lost to Ted Cruz. Okay, honest question here. Could Beto O'Rourke possibly just be the forerunner for the the, the, the new O'Rourke that's going to take over in about two months, VHS O'Rourke? I, I think you might be right, um, but I, I still am wondering where all this um, viral Beto love has come from. I, I just think it's more the Democratic establishment trying to find anybody but Bernie and um, Beto did so well against Ted Cruz, surprisingly well, that they're, they're willing to give him a shake. 
Um, but I'm, I just, I can't see it. I, not that I don't necessarily like him or dislike him, uh, or have any opinion other than WTH. Oh, well, I mean, we can use the WTF on the air because a lot of people think that means where's the fudge. However, when it comes to the actual meat and potatoes of Beto O'Rourke, a lot of people seem to be fangirling and fanboying him before actually discovering if there's any protein to this animal. And so far from what we've seen in his, um, you know, <clears throat> congressional run, uh, what would you say would be the, 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 the traits, the things that they're going to try to build up about Beto O'Rourke to... I don't know, kind of jazz him up, make him a little sexier? Well, from what I did see with the the senatorial run that he did for Congress, um, he, he tried to be this progressive but moderate type, but center-left that they seem to like a lot in the Democratic Party, and it, it it's milquetoast. I, I don't know what they're going to use, but uh, if he doesn't have any viable answers to simple things like immigration that any presidential candidate can can have, even just being the opposite of Donald Trump, right? He He's not going to gain traction except for being the shiny object that happens to be brand new on the scene. Yeah, because <clears throat> let's face facts. Um... <sighs> The Democrats right now are looking pretty weak going into 2020. Now, just Beto O'Rourke aside, nobody is really super excited about Elizabeth Warren, would you say? Uh, I would say I'm not. <laughs> um, I like how she tries to drink a beer, I guess. <laughs> that yeah. doesn't seem like at all. <laughs> I'm going to throw this out there. I think that... Even Elizabeth Warren is only marginally interested in an Elizabeth Warren candidacy. Well, the look on her husband's face tells me all that you need to know about the Elizabeth Warren candidacy. You know, when she offered him the beer, it was like, no, dude, I, I'm not interested whatsoever. And I think at one point she even slapped his butt, too, or slapped something. And it was just completely awkward. And one of the, the it, it reminded me of Hillary Clinton trying to be genuine. We don't need another Hillary Clinton candidate. Be genuine, or at least be genuine about the things that you know you can be genuine about. Otherwise, just stop. And that goes, it's not just Hillary Clinton or uh, Beto O'Rourke. That goes for any candidate that we're talking about. At least be genuine in the things that you can and stick to message and point. Otherwise, you're going to look foolish. And we don't, we have a guy who can look foolish 24-7. And he's the president right now. Mm. Well, I want to kind of talk about looking a little foolish because uh, here this week has seen like an amazing attack over one of the candidates that a lot of people know comes from our state. Ah, yes. The beautiful, sunny, no, we are not going through a winter cold snap and having massive amounts of snow, uh, Hawaii. The thing is, is we have somebody that is in Congress right now that, for all intents and purposes, has kind of had an, uh, I hate to say this and admit it out loud, a kind of an unremarkable record. She's been there for certain key votes, she hasn't really made a big controversy of, of her political career. She stood up a couple of times 
uh, during the Donald Trump administration. And now she's announced her candidacy. And, and this is the thing. Thomas Reynolds from FYINation.com. Uh, why aren't people more excited about a Tulsi Gabbard candidacy either? Because she's not exciting. I don't, I, a lot of burners, a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters, I don't call them fans because that's not what you are in political uh, spectrum, right? You're, you're a supporter. You're somebody who uh, gets involved and becomes an activist for a particular candidate. I don't understand, except for the fact that she went for him early on what her appeal is. She has made comments in the past about the LGBTQ community that are not very kind. She has worked with her father uh, against the LGBTQ community in the past that is not good um, in, in a healthy way. And she there's room for evolution, but it has, again, it goes back to what I said before, it has to be something genuine. And if it's not genuine, people are going to see it. And the most spectacularly stupid thing that anybody can do, uh, especially if you're a peace hawk, right? If you're pro-peace, is visit Assad in Syria. Mm. I don't understand well, why she was willing to do that. And to me, that, to me, that, blows up any chance of me ever getting behind her even if she becomes the democratic nominee because that's the same as hillary clinton saying we say we came we saw we got him Ooh. when it you know it yeah bad God. messaging bad messaging yeah exactly uh, well this is the thing is because a lot of uh, a lot of the press here in the lovely blue surrounded oceans and let's just admit for the most part the lands are mostly blue state of hawaii when it comes to covering the story of tulsi gabbard some of the media has taken the argument of let's look at these disparaging comments of the past and kind of analyze where she stands now and is there anything on public record where we can kind of get an quote-unquote, official stance on this. The other side goes, look at this, and then this is the part I want to ask you about, Thomas, because there's this belief, oh God, here we are with belief systems, there's this belief that this isn't nothing but another example of a right-wing hit job on Tulsi Gabbard. How likely is that to be the truth? Okay, let's say it's true, a thousand percent true. If you are running for president of the United States, you better be able to take it head on. And as if you are playing Battleship, you better be able to take every hit that comes your way and not be upset about it because your candidate is good enough to be able to take those. If you can't, you do not deserve to be in the White House. It's really that simple. I, I know, but this is the thing. When... When John Kerry, not too long ago, was running on the Democratic ticket, the biggest thing that a lot of people said about him was, waffle, waffle, waffle. He's waffling back and forth all the time. He kind of went with the breeze. What was good this week to a Kerry wasn't good this other week to a Kerry. And that, ultimately, when it came down to polls and surveys around that election, that hurt him. So when it comes yeah. to somebody like Tulsi Gabbard, there's a big chance of that, that same phenomenon being the one that takes her out of play. 
And, and and they should be, if they, like, have oppo research about themselves or if they know they've said these and done these things in this way, they should be ready for it if they're willing to put their hat in the ring, right? And be able to have a, a, a decent comeback or or at, at the very least say, that's not, that's who I was, that's not who I am now, and let's move on. I mean, that that should destroy an argument about, the LGBTQ issues if she has legitimately changed and it's not just for a photo op. Um, if, if she has shown that you can have movement with this and people do change. President Obama changed on the issue mm-hmm. and they tried to tag him as a flip flopper and, and he, so he successfully was able to show the LGBTQ community that he was pro-gay marriage by his stance with the marriage equality issue and celebrating it when it came about and didn't mourn his for his marriage right so there are legitimate ways you can defeat this and this is how you prove yourself before we get even to a presidential campaign and that's what a primary is about taking a stance being bold and making yourself shine better than everybody else in the Democratic Party or whatever party it happens to be. Yeah, well, because when it comes to seizing the spotlight, there is a lot of stories out there that are definitely trying to seize the Americans' attention. Now, I, I kind of want to go through one of the biggest, biggest, and and believe it or not, with the shutdown, with the, 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 the tirades and the, the back and forths on Twitter, this story isn't getting talked enough about, but I think it's time, Thomas Reynolds from the FYI, Nation.com, uh, uh, my, my correspondent today, please tell me there is something logical that is going to come out of the GOP members that are currently grilling one Mr. Barr for a job within American intelligence. I, I think there is. We're going to find out what the conservatives don't like about him. And one of the things that I was watching uh, or rather listening to, to Sean Hannity's radio show because we get blanketed with conservative media in the car. And um, he was talking about, well, there are some things that I really like and there are some things that I really don't like. And the questioning, whether it be about conspiracies or uh, reading the struck page text that Lindsey Graham did, right? We will find out what the conservative base really thinks and the leaders of the base really think about this guy. And that possibly is the best barometer uh, for this uh, confirmation here. Wow. That's I'm going to say that that is very optimistic compared to what a lot of people think is going to be the real scenario of these bar hearings, (laughs) bar hearings. Didn't we have those with Kavanaugh, by the way? Oh, no, those were actually in, in Senate. They weren't at the bar. Well, well, we saw how well that turned out for, yeah. for everybody. They, he, he got what he wanted, and uh, this guy's going to get confirmed, too, just as Ka- Kavanaugh did. Mm. And that, that's why, why when I hear uh, Republicans and the, the Democrats are just the same, I want to gouge my eyes out because uh, it, it 
drives me nuts that people can be so blind uh, to to say that when we have people like Barr and Kavanaugh and then they're equally as upset at the same time they're going to tell me that the Republicans and the Democratic Party are the same people. They want to tell you that they're the same people, and they want to tell you that, ooh, it's all a sham, and everything behind the scenes is all conspiratorial, and and we are not going to be one of those programs. Instead, keeping it rooted down into some real, real reality, what are the implications of some of the dangerous comments made by Mr. Barr before his confirmation hearing? I'm speaking specifically to the ones in... Uh, well, kind of, I would say, in defense of the president, he had said that Robert Mueller's case was baseless and, and, and wanted to, and at least advocated, for an end to the Mueller investigation. Um, now that he's wanting to have a job, could those comments actually derail him with the political environment in D.C.? No, because he says the right things after, like, that he won't uh, participate in being against something of that nature. So because he's willing to say the right things when it matters, it won't. And plus, you have to remember, we have a full Senate that is pure Republican. So they're going to do everything they can to get the Trump Republican guy nominated and confirmed. And this is why elections matter. And this is why I even say to my friends on the very left who say, well, you're getting a blue dog Democrat. Well, you know, I would hope that the blue dog Democratic person would at least fight against the Trump one. And if they don't, fight against the Trump nominee, then we learn to primary them afterwards. We give them a chance, and we hope that they will. And then if the hope doesn't spring eternal, we crush them in a primary. Now, this is the thing that I kind of want to ask you. Uh, when, when it comes to hope and springing and eternal, let's talk about the undead senator from South Carolina, because he has been an endless well of optimism when it comes to being the Trump whisperer, being the guy that could actually get Trump to bend on this kind of stuff. And, and, and now with these confirmation hearings, well, it seems like Lindsey Graham is still kind of in the pocket of the president as far as what kind of questions he's asking, doesn't it? Well, he's either in the pocket of the president or in the pocket of Putin. I haven't quite figured out which pocket he's in, but it could be very well be both, frankly. Um, but that being said, he he reading the or, or the the struck email or text and um, the other uh, other texts of that nature is just playing to the base and doing everything he can to make sure he doesn't get primaried because I think the last time he got primaried he was uh, it was a large amount of people that went after him and so he's doing everything he can to keep everybody happy and um so it might just be a survi pure survival mode hmm. um than anything else but i i'm uh, he he did such a 180 on trump that i'm 
he has to be in the pocket of either Trump or Putin at this point. I don't think it's just survival. Can I bring up an interesting little story that I was uh, glancing at? And it was on the internets of all places. Somebody had the audacity to go online where all good things are born and everything is factual and validated. And, and that's why I bring up those words first, because, Thomas, this is the funniest thing. Somebody actually brought up the question, and I don't know if this was a legitimate question. I don't know if this was just the Internet being the Internet, but they wanted to know, if Putin has the P-tape on Trump, what does Trump have on Lindsey Graham? Do you care to speculate? Um, I'll just say that it's probably equal veracity if he has anything uh, on him. Uh, I, I, I don't know, but I do know that these guys who always come off holier than thou usually have a devil in their closet. Well, I mean, the, yeah, I just want to say that if there is something in Lindsey Graham's like, you know, videotape like some sort of material that Donald Trump has over him it probably and I say this as a <clears throat> known member of the southern people I was born in North Carolina it probably involved maybe some biscuits and some gravy that stuff <laughs> that stuff will you make know, you that was, sin that 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 was a Seinfeld episode you know mm. just saying oh, um, oh great no, uh, once but, again my show goes and proves that other shows have probably done it better thanks Thomas that's that's the little boost my self-esteem needed today. Well, you know, I, I'm always here to help. Speaking of helping, uh, Lindsey Graham asked, and this is from Talking Points Memo, the article that we were doing, uh, would you promise me and this committee to look into this and tell us whether or not a counterintelligence investigation was opened up by somebody at the FBI and uh, or Department of Justice against President Trump? So he, he's willing to go to bat in the hearing for him and, and Barr said he never heard of a situation like this and uh, he, he he Graham said we need to look at that in terms of who the people are and enforcing the law and don't we want to make sure they don't have an agenda and Barr replied that's right Mr. Chairman and this is why he's going to get confirmed because he's willing to play into Lindsey Graham's conspiracy corner hand of well we don't know but we think we know so why don't we just go in and go go for it and this is all all over right wing talking point TV that Strzok and uh, Page are the bad people in the FBI and need to be investigated and not Donald Trump uh, this is okay 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 Ooh, breathe, Shaggy. Breathe, uh, breathe. You can Ooh. do it. But I mean, just for a second there, I, mean, I was going through all of those revelations that she was bringing up, and and yeah, let's just be honest. Today, when I was watching, uh, well, actually, yeah, when I was watching this on C-SPAN, it wasn't today. See, see how discombobulated you've made my brain. But when, yeah, it's okay. When this thing was happening, and I'm watching it on C-SPAN, I'm, I'm kind of sitting there, and and and. I was really, really wondering, had somebody laced my food or, you know, because I, every so often I live in a very, uh, a very oh, friendly state of Vaine, uh, 420 friendly, that is. So, you know, I got some brownies from, from friends of mine and I was thinking, oh, my God, they gave me the wrong brownies. I am watching Lindsey Graham ask about conspiracy theories and he seriously wants an answer. This can't be the government. This is, this is some great CGI. But Thomas, 
We are through the looking glass with some members of the GOP. And when it comes to somebody like a Lindsey Graham, who chairs one of these confirmation uh, dependent committees, he can softball the people that go by any crazy thing he wants to bring up because he'll be like, yes, I've got an ally on the inside helping me fight the lizard people who secretly control capitalism through the Illuminati and Beyonce's dance moves. I don't know how conspiracy works, but um, they, they can go that route. And as long as they go that route, they'll enjoy the support of a Senator Graham. But how good is that for America? It sucks. It's it's horrible. But you have to remember this is this is the base that we're dealing with. You got to deal with the QAnon and uh, PizzaGate and the Alex Jones revelations atop the mountain and all that fun stuff that uh, makes you want to throw up in your mouth by the time you're done. This is what we deal with, and sadly, un- unless we take back. Uh, the counter argument in a legitimate way, we're going to have the delegitimate crazies out there that are uh, providing this as serious news. I mean, this is on Fox News of all places. It's not just Newsmax or some right-wing YouTube video somewhere. We, We see it coming out of Sean Insanity's mouth, for Pete's sake. But don't they take their cues from the online conspiratorial universe? I mean, haven't we kind of proved that Fox News does not, um, shall we say, research as thoroughly as they should? Oh, yeah, Shaggy, absolutely. And and that's the scary part about somebody like Lindsey Graham bringing up the, the text. Now, do, do I wish that Strzok and Page had never written these texts? Absolutely. But they opened themselves up to all kinds of nonsense because they decided to do it in the way they did. And now we're paying for it. And it opened up a can of worms that didn't was unnecessary. Mm, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure that there are a lot of people wish they hadn't wrote those texts, including Peter's divorce divorce lawyer. But uh, here's something that I kind of want to ask you when it comes to Lindsey Graham. And, and this is just 40 seconds of—well, actually, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to answer this. In a nutshell, does Lindsey Graham— actually swallow the red pill does he actually believe these conspiratorial things or is he just using them as political tools uh, he's using them as political tools he doesn't believe it he'll he's willing to say one thing to get himself elected and reelected and keep his power he wants he wants to be the chairperson of judiciary that's all he wants and as long as he could have that he's a happy camper Wow. Well, when we come back, we'll talk more about some of the big stories coming out of D.C. And, oh, God, help us all. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. This is Scientific American's 60 Second Science. I'm Karen Hopkin. Monogamy. 
What makes one species pair off while members of a closely related species play the field? The answer may lie in their genes. Researchers at the University of Texas at Austin were interested in how complex characteristics arise during evolution. We chose to investigate this question using monogamous mating systems because animals with monogamous mating systems are available in all of the different uh, vertebrate clades. Rebecca Young, a research associate and evolutionary biologist who led the study. And we were able to find species that had independently evolved monogamy um, in each of these lineages. Young's colleague, Hans Hoffman, professor of integrative biology, adds, So we decided early on that we didn't just want to study a particular group of animals like mice or fish, for example, or a particular group of birds and compare between monogamy and non-monogamy there, but instead take a very broad look across vertebrates, across 450 million years of evolution when these fish and birds and frogs and us shared the last common ancestor. The researchers chose five pairs of species and looked to see if they could spot a signature pattern of gene activity that was shared only by the animals that were monogamous. And they discovered a set of 24 genes whose activity in the brain is strongly associated with monogamy, including genes involved in neural development, learning and memory, and cognition. The results appear in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And again, this is surprising because they've evolved monogamy independently and the species have diverged for hundreds of millions of years from one another. So we might expect because of this distance, evolutionary distance, that gene expression in the brain would be quite different. But in fact, we find this shared signature that seems to be related to the mating system of the organism. Now, those genes may not be setting up entirely new patterns of behavior they may just be building on underlying mechanisms that all species share. Take, for example, pair bonding. To form a pair bond, one has to tolerate another individual for a long period of time. Yet even members of the most intolerant species have to put up with one another at least for as long as it takes to get the mating done. Shrews is a great example. They tolerate each other for about one day a year. And so those mechanisms already exist in in very aggressive species, uh, but they just happen for short periods of time. And and so we think potentially what's going on is is modifications of these conserved uh, pathways uh, that exist in, in, in multiple different kinds of mating systems that get elaborated or modified in the evolution of monogamy. In principle, Young and Hoffman and their collaborators could have extended their study of monogamy to humans perhaps comparing our gene expression signature to that of one of our less monogamous relatives, say, chimps. The results could suggest whether we should pick up a few extra cards for Valentine's Day. Thanks for listening. For Scientific American's 60 Second Science, I'm Karen Hopkin. Get involved, get informed. This is the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Chicken Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome back to it. If you've missed any part of the first part of the show, easy to find it. Just go to my website, shaggychickens.com. And, well, you can support us on Patreon, become one of our members there, enjoy some pretty cool benefits and perks. Uh, Also, get a look at behind the scenes of the show. Plus, if you miss any other episodes, you can hear us on Stitcher, Spotify, or just go to the website, shaggyjenkins.com. Hi, that's me. 
uh, or at Shaggy Live, wherever fine social media is served. This guy can be found behind the helm of FYINation.com and behind the microphone for his show called Some Say. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Thomas Reynolds. Hey, Shaggy. Great to be here. Yeah, yeah. You sound so excited to get into this next story. You must know what it is. Oh, I think I do. It sounds like fun, but let's tell the listeners about it. Okay. Uh, Remember that old big hype that we were building up not too long ago, and we had said that there was something very suspicious about the words of Mike Pence and Donald Trump and any Republican like Kellyanne Conway, Stephen Miller, lots of Stephen Miller, but any time that any one of these main players in the fray were mentioning immigration. They always attached it to one word. Thomas, do you remember the word? Um, I'm going to take a pass, but you can tell me to, just crisis. to remind Crisis. There's a crisis. My, my favorite word, there's always a crisis. We always have to have one, and, you know, my brain had a crisis trying to remember the word. Well, see, that's just it. I mean, Mike Pence, Donald Trump, and every one of their sycophants was out there saying the word crisis so much, I thought it was about to be Crisis the Musical 2019, where a bunch of white-haired people basically sat around and got paranoid that the world was changing, so much so that they walled themselves up into a small little place with no supplies, no allies on the outside world until they were eradicated by their own stupidity. Oh my God, that's the plot to America. Oh Lord, Shaggy, you're you're, you're so cute. <laughs> I, I I did not know that today I would spoil the rest of the season of America 2019, but spoilers, it doesn't end well. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't, and it, the the troop of, of the color here, um, maybe the not the right word to use, but we'll go with it, uh, is all white and all all, all very proud boys, aren't they? And it, it's a sad situation that we have here, and and unfortunately, it's continuing in in shutdown uh, day twenty twenty five or whatever day we're in at this point. Twenty six two thousand and forty eight. Uh, 53. Yeah. It doesn't matter because to a lot of these federal workers, they're living paycheck to paycheck. It might as well be day th- 103. Well, that that's the thing. And these these people are the ones that are, ha- if we're going to talk crisis, these are the people that are having a crisis. And the suggestions from uh, certain uh, federal groups that are saying, well, have a garage sale or, or babysit, dog walk, and all this nonsense where it had to be taken down website from their websites because it makes no sense uh, is sad. And if we're going to talk about humanitarian crisis, that's where we need to be headed, Shaggy. We need to be headed with the real shutdown victims of this, which are the people at the border and the people who, who are suffering, and whether they're TSA or Border Patrol for that point. Yeah, because let me tell you, traveling with a shuttered TSA, with a half-capable TSA, because a lot of people are calling in sick because they're mad, they're having to work without pay. Thomas, I'm going to tell you, traveling lately has not been fun. (sighs) Well, yeah, no, and it wasn't fun beforehand. I can only imagine, when I traveled to see see my uh, daughter who turned 18, I didn't like the whole uh, take off your shoes, take off your belt, get in line. And that was a rat race uh, to get to the plane in the first place. And I was on time. 
uh, I can only imagine what it is like now. And that is something that affects everyone, uh, whether you're a Republican Trump supporter or a Democratic Socialist uh, Bernie Sanders supporter. We need to be united in getting these people back to work and with a paycheck because uh, otherwise we're talking about slavery or at least indentured servitude. Can I can I tell you kind of a neat little story that comes from my backyard here in Maui? Please. Okay, you're gonna love this because this TA the, the the TSA officers, the airport officers. Let's just go ahead and say when it comes to a state that is forty percent, at least our island is forty percent invested in tourism for their GDP. We depend on flights and boats coming over, bringing food, bringing people, bringing their mighty green dollars, and then hopefully taking them back to wherever the hell they came from. Um. Yeah, I failed. I came here and I just could not leave Maui. However, here's the thing. With all of those people coming in, a lot of them have been having to work. I mean, of course, the TSA agents. A lot of the TSA agents have been having to work without pay, without any knowing of when that pay is going to happen, in a place where we live down to the penny paycheck to paycheck in this state. And, and a beautiful story happened under a local Play It Forward initiative. Thanks to a spunky little group of characters aboard the SS Maui Fresh Streetery. It's a food truck, by the way. Yeah, the cast and crew of this food truck decided we've had enough of these TSAs going hungry every day and and kind of a big story that you'll probably see going viral online soon. This Maui food truck pulled up to the airport and said, Who's hungry and a federal employee? Everything's free. Here's our plates. And they delivered over 28 plates of food to people that were actively having to work today. And, and this is the sad part of this story because as much as I, Shaggy Jenkins, host of this show, love having my show based here in paradise, it's really sickening to me. It's really hurtful to me knowing that these people, these aunties, these uncles, these these neighbors of mine, they're seconds away in a very, very rent competitive, uh, almost impossible to live in market for the local economy and indigenous people. These people are still working to welcome in dollars to our state and our county. However, the federal people don't realize their importance and aren't cutting them dollars. And so now, Thomas, today we learned an important lesson that the people of Maui, and, and this is kind of a national initiative, are starting to step up and take care of the people that the government isn't taking care of. What do you think the long-term ramifications is going to be on workers within the TSA and other shuttered federal office, uh, offices when this whole thing is over and, and, and the local community is the one that carried them through these hard times, not their employer. I think it's going to be good for the local communities in the long run because the people who were hurt the most are going to remember that the support came from the local community and they're going to help those local businesses out who help them. I think that will be the only shining beacon that we have in this humanitarian crisis of people not getting paid and still having to have indentured servitude forced upon them by the federal government. And I, I blame Donald Trump for this and most Americans who have a 
clue in the facts blame him for this because we had a way to pay these people and it was donald trump and coulter and rush limbaugh who shut down the government the talk radio hate mongers who decided that it wasn't good enough and ran to donald trump and told him you better do this and they the orange menace listened and had he not listened and had he held his own ground, we might not be in this situation. But instead, we got a guy who thinks he's uh, going to pass out fast food at the White House and get a gold star for it. That's the thing. When it comes to looking like an actual respectable nation, our president couldn't even get enough of his own government to work to prevent stale Big Macs and... um pizzas, and uh, I, I think they had some, some Wendy's in there somewhere. There was an Arby's because science or something. But um, they, they just had a smorgasbord of, and I'm going to go ahead and be honest, Thomas, I'm going to imagine these weren't top-of-the-line items from these menus, were they? No, I, I doubt they were, and the worst part is that... Um he said he claims he paid for it. I really hope he did, because if we find out later that he didn't pay for these meals at the fast food joints, we're going to have an even bigger uproar in the fact that he did it in the first place. He he looked at, looked silly, and whether or not he realizes or cares that he looks silly, I don't know. But it's really sad that these players who should have been celebrated properly with a decent meal by a White House chef, got shafted in this. And um, all they got was a, a visit to the White House with a lousy president. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was more like a visit to the frat house than it was the White House, wasn't it? Indeed, and that's, uh, that's sad for America and sad for these players who, who should have been offered something more celebratory. Well, this is the thing, is when, when everybody talked about the nutritional offerings, Donald Trump, right before he invited everybody in, made a little bit of a statement that Mrs. Pence and Mrs. Trump, uh, had he not went out and bought all this glorious fast food, all this food, uh, I'm going to eat all these leftovers tomorrow, um, the, all this stuff that he brought into the White House, he said the only other option was to have his and the first, la the first lady, yeah, well, the first lady, and then the vice first lady. It, it, the only option was to have them, quote unquote, make salad. So not only is he relegating his women to the uh, June Cleaver kind of role in life, he's saying that culinarily, they're not even skilled to whip up something with a protein on it. Um, how demeaning can one dinner actually be? Well, I, at least he's acting like his base and representing the base of the Republican Party, because this seems to be something that he's really good at, is representing the base of the Republican Party. Whether it's the 25% or 30% that voted for him, uh, they all seem to think that the woman need to keep their mouth shut and cook and, and go through all that stuff, and that's where, where it lands. And uh, unfortunately, it's a jumbo jet land. Yeah, well, I mean, come on. We, we've got a guy that manufactured, remember this story that we were talking about? Manufactured an entire immigration crisis, a big southern border crisis, in, in crisis, 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 crisis. He manufactured 
all of that. And then he tried to manufacture this whole excuse that serving fast food under candlelight to a college football team was acceptable. Now, I am going to go out there and say that if you're on a college football team, chances are you're not eating the finest of foods all the time. You're eating proteins, you're eating salads, but for the most part, you're eating for performance, not really eating for the sake of enjoyment. So when you go through a massive effort like, and I do not like sports, so I can't believe I'm saying this, when you go through a massive effort like Clemson did in the last game when they clinched the title, it was an amazing game to watch. But still, Thomas, <clears throat> me, Shaggy Jenkins, non-sports fan, would like to ask, wouldn't it hurt you, not just your, your college team, not just your college as, as, as a college, but wouldn't it hurt you as a fan if the president of the United States treated your glorious football gladiator? They're called gladiators, right? I'm moving on. Um, You're asking the wrong person. Okay. Wouldn't it bother you if they were treated like that by the president? Absolutely. And that, that form of treatment is something to show how tone deaf he is and he's celebratory about about it as if he did something good he didn't do anything good these people could have gotten a great meal by a white house chef who who actually knows what they're doing but instead he had to be selfish for his uh, golden wall you know what we need to golden parachute him out of the white house Mm, well, let's talk about how he was trying to go and parachute his way out of this blockade, shall we? Okay. <clears throat> Here's the thing. Donald Trump has been big on strategy, little on delivery lately, and one of his most ambitious strategies was... Believe it or not, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that I get Thomas in the camera here so we can see his facial reaction. <sighs> His latest kind of kerfluffle was assuming that Democrats would be sick of Pelosi and Schumer and work with him directly. Yes, Donald Trump said that only Pelosi and Schumer are the problem, so I'm going to have dinner with all the Democrats. Okay. Thomas, how do you think that went? Oh, I'm sure it went fascinatingly well because, you know, it, it, nobody's on Team Pelosi, right? No, nobody, no, not one person. Nope, nope, nobody likes Schumer, nobody likes Pelosi. Okay, I mean, you know, let's just be honest, that last press conference looked more like Lurch than Schumer, but still, he's likable, Lurch. He's likable, damn it. Point being, yeah. Donald Trump seems to think that the Democrats are just waiting for a strong leader, unlike Pelosi, which means, <clears throat> not a goyle. To come along and basically tell them that they that they can feel safe to vote for the wall, feel safe to vote for for border security, and and this is the thing he did it by inviting them out to dinner. Is it a big surprise that none of them even felt safe enough to come to the dinner, and Donald Trump was left alone? I think it's great that none of them showed up because it just it just hits the ego right where it hurts. And um, probably something else, too, that's really, really, really tiny, microscopic even. And um, that's right where he needs to be hit. Yeah, that would uh, be his if, sense if, of if, dignity for all of you listening, his sense of dignity. Well, I was going to say, if Melania, Melania isn't going to do it because, you know, be best and all, uh, somebody ought to do it. And if it's going to be anybody, it might as well be the Democratic Congress that we have. Mm. Now, this is the thing, because Donald Trump 
really believes that he is charismatic. He believes that he is this wonderfully efficient leader. He is the deal maker. He he has painted himself into type of a, a, a reality of status, of, of, you know, still not understanding how his image and his status aren't exactly tied to his presidency. And so it, it's, it's very odd, and it's almost like a big kerfluffle uh, to think, or, or how should I say, it's almost a discombobulation of brain. There we go. To think that the president would say, only Pelosi is standing in the way of the government shutdown. So if I go to the other Democrats, they'll be like, sure, Mr. President, we see absolutely nothing wrong with nothing that you're doing. Everything's fine. We love you, Donald Trump. He believes that, doesn't he? Well, yeah, because that's what the sycophants continually tell him. Or he hears on the radio and uh, right wing hate radio that uh, it's all the Pelosi Schumer lurch shutdown that we have to deal with without them. And the Democratic Party in Congress is going to deal with me because I'm the great go to uh, deal maker. Uh, and I'm sure the, when he gets a love note from Putin and Kim, that's exactly what they tell him, too. So why not believe it? You are great leaders. You are of much responsibility. Go back to United States. Do my job. Take care of the diplomacy by tearing up the NATO thing. You remember that? Donald Trump actually mentioned this this this, this week in headlines. It was it was made known that Donald Trump mentioned that him and Vladimir Putin were going to break up NATO for fun. Well, you got you got to do what the boss tells you to do, right? And uh, he's who's the boss? It's definitely Putin. Uh, and at this, at this point, you don't even need uh, any uh, particular tapes or any blackmail. He just like he really likes strong men because he's a weak something that I cannot say on the air. And you can fill in the blanks. He he is a weak man. He's sad. He's pathetic. And he shows it with the story where he thinks that he can get around Pelosi and Schumer and uh, go uh, go to bat with the Democratic Party. And the Democratic caucus decided, you know what, all, all for one, one for all, we're not going to negotiate with the putts. This is the thing that a lot of people don't understand, because when it comes to how the, the House and the Senate work, each one of them has their own, not, not procedure, style. And when it comes to the Republican style, they favor a strong individualistic approach. So, for example, if a senator wanted to go out and cross the aisle and talk directly to the Democrats, to prevent a, a and, and we've seen this before in, in recent history. In fact, Republicans, one single Republican, I should say, crossing the aisle, brokering some sort of silence until there was a bipartisan part. But it always was an individualistic effort. When it comes to the Democrats, though, as their style is known, they only do things kind of like a gang, don't they? No, you're absolutely right. And here's the thing. We we have a party that is unified and understands where they're going to go with this shutdown. And that's why, as try as they might, the Democratic Party will not be blamed for this shutdown. And it will be continually known as the Trump shutdown. Scary, isn't it? But 
Yeah. And, and even polls that favor Republicans, like Rasmussen, they're showing uh, over half of the people that usually would say things like, yeah, you know, the president's really cool, and I kind of like him, and I don't mind him being a racist, right? Okay, they don't they don't say that last part out loud, but you get my point. Um, Rasmussen typically favors the president. When it comes to who is to blame, Democrats or Republicans, the shutdown, squarely the fault of the GOP and Donald Trump. And I'm going to kind of ballyhoo this idea out there, why is Mitch McConnell not saying more on the messaging of who caused this? He, as, as far as a Republican leader, especially the highest guy under the Senate, you would figure Mitch McConnell would be all in defense of what's happening here. But, Thomas, he went off the radar. What's going on with that? Well, uh, it's in his case, it's better to be off the radar than on the radar. He is a guy who is going to have to be up for re-election, and uh, he is going to probably get re-elected, but he's going to still have to work for it. And the the less he ticks off the base of the Republican Party, the le- less chance he's going to have of being primaried, the less chance he's going to have to work hard for it, and the less chance that he's going to uh, have to worry about Donald Trump giving him hits when he's running and helping him out. So he's going to do everything he can to not do anything and s- slow and steady turtle-like uh, wins the race. I like how you kind of adopted a mafioso accent there towards the end. You know, because he's going to do whatever he's going to do to keep his job, Shaggy. That's what he's going to do. Well, Shaggy, you know, it's something about me. I did live in Camden, New Jersey for a number of years, and my daughter was born in New Jersey. So mm-hmm. every once in a while, the, the uh, Sopranos comes out. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that's just it. Everybody thought that Mitch McConnell would, and other GOP people, would be clamoring to get their best kind of, oh, 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 I can't say that character's name on the air but you know the one that resembled female anatomy on sopranos everybody was lining up to be that guy whose name shall remain nameless he's kind of like voldemort on radio or at least for the sopranos anyway everybody's lining up to be that guy and here's the problem thomas at the end of the day that guy air quotes implied isn't really needed for this situation anymore are they yeah, no, and uh, that that guy, uh, really big too, in fact, um, in more ways than one, uh, was a, a guy who uh, the Republicans don't need, uh, unless you're going to talk about the the hate radio crowd. That that is the person that the hate radio crowd seems to be playing for for Trump to keep the minions in line. And yeah, but you would them, figure uh, that Mitch McConnell would be the big genitalia. He would want to be that one. But it, it, well, it seems like he is okay with being the unobserved or modest genitalia in the Senate. Why is that? Well, because uh, if it, it walks like a turtle, acts like a turtle, and um, makes noise like a turtle, it's a turtle. And slow and steady wins the race. And he's going to be slow-moving uh, Mitch. And he he is doing it for the long haul. He's not thinking about the shutdown and the crisis that people are going through. He's thinking about the the his 
crisis at his borders. At his borders. If he doesn't doesn't, uh, win. And he's going to do everything he can to win. We've only got like a minute or so left here. So I want to kind of pitch this last idea for you. Because when it comes to Mitch McConnell being kind of absent of the proceedings, the, 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 the whole problem with that is, is that when it comes to the shutdown, when it comes to Donald Trump and, and the uh, investigation with Mueller, the end of the day, Thomas, we have a major problem in this country. The president is too distracting for us to get things out of the way. So with everything as it is today, when we come back in a week, Tom, are we still going to have a country left? Um, not sure, but I, I'd like to think so because we have enough people who are willing to do the right thing, like that story you talked about with the people who were being humanitarians and, and stepping up for their, their fellow TSA workers. And as long as we have localities and people like that, I think we will. Uh, but federally, uh, the jury's out. Oh, okay. Well, hey, quick tip, everybody, and this is legal advice. You cannot give a TSA officer on the clock anything. They can't take it, but off the clock, like lunch breaks, feed them and tip them all you want to. Thomas, thanks for joining the show. Thomas, from FYI Nation and the show Some Say, me, I'm Shaggy from this show. Until next time, love you, mean it, get in, bye.